From Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. Peace activists meet here and announce the NATO Military Alliance, celebrating its anniversary on the day that the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. We're talking about the period that they killed Malcolm X. We're talking about the period that they murdered Patrice Lumumba. The period that they overthrew Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana. The period that they first wounded and then captured and assassinated Che Guevara uh, in Bolivia. It was an effort that was made by the United States government to crush the revolutionary struggles of the peoples of the world to be free. Organizers said that King's triple evils of capitalism, militarism, and racism have been joined by an environmental crisis that threatens all of humanity. We will not stop until imperialist forests stop making toy soldiers out of our children and leaving them jobless and in poverty when they come home. More on NATO, the national crisis in housing, and other stories next. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Averam. Hundreds of activists participated in a week of activities to protest NATO foreign ministers meeting here in Washington, D.C., celebrating the 70th anniversary of the military alliance. NATO was formed in 1949 with the stated goal of defense against the Soviet Union, but since the breakup of the Soviet Union, NATO has not only not disbanded, but has expanded against diplomatic agreements to the border of Russia and participated in a series of aggressive and destructive attacks on countries, including Yugoslavia, Afghanistan, and Libya. Iraklis Savdaridis, Executive Secretary of the World Peace Council, who spoke to hundreds gathered in front of the White House on Saturday, pointed to the origins of NATO, comprised of former enslavers and colonizers of people in Africa, Asia, and South and Central America. What is NATO actually celebrating on 4th of April? The mess they have created in Yugoslavia 20 years ago, or in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in the Ukraine, in Syria, in Yemen? They're close to 60 years of machinations against Cuba, the regime changes in Latin America, or their open threats of military intervention in Venezuela today? For what is NATO proud in these 70 years? Currently, we are witnessing the clear and open maneuvers of the U.S. administration of the states of the Lima Group and the European Union to overthrow by economic sanctions and economic war, by actions of sabotage and other subversive methods, the legitimately elected government in Venezuela. At the same time, NATO is incorporating Colombia into its ranks and is pointing at Brazil for a potential new member in NATO, both neighbors of Venezuela. We state and shout loudly from the capital of the U.S., hands of Venezuela. The people are the only ones to decide about their fortune and their wealth of the country. More voices from this week's NATO protests for the full hour after headlines. D.C.-based activists, including the economist Julianne Malveaux, are among participants in the National Emergency Summit on Gentrification, underway in Newark, New Jersey, until Saturday, April 6th. 
at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, 150 Bleecker Street in Newark, New Jersey. A national town hall meeting at the summit is being held later today on Friday, April 5th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. and is being broadcast live on your Pacifica radio stations in Washington, D.C. on WPFW and in New York City on WBAI. Three different events this week in D.C. also examined the issue of gentrification's impact in the district. Chantel James attended one discussion and filed this report. The Potter's House held a talk with author Sam Stein and D.C. organizers Parisa Neruzzi of Empower D.C. and Caitlin Kosolova of Washington Legal Clinic for the Homeless. Amanda Huron of UDC moderated a discussion of Washington, D.C.'s current gentrification crisis as it may be illuminated by Stein's new book, Capital City, Gentrification and the Real Estate State. Panelists talked about the collaboration of the state and the real estate industry to raise the cost of living so that poor and working-class residents are displaced by the affluent. Both Parisa Neruzzi and Sam Stein spoke with us afterwards to give more context. Real estate is really important in gentrification since its major manifestation is housing. Mm -hmm. And we have a mostly private system in which investors are trying to make the most out of housing at all times. Right now we have a majority of the world's investment in real estate and most of that is in housing. So there's a lot of money that people are trying to make off of the backs of tenants who are just trying to pay the rent. So are you offering any strategies to combat this in your book? Yeah, I mean there's a lot of things that could be done differently. Everything from rent control to public housing to non-speculative alternatives like community land trusts. But to get any of that we really need organizing to build our power. Because mm -hmm. the system is set up to take these things away from us rather than to expand them. Mm -hmm. I mean the book speaks to how planning becomes a tool of capitalist land speculation because cities are driven to continue to make the land values rise and I think we see that in DC because our planning office is actually under the mayor's office under the deputy mayor for planning and economic development and it seems to be more and more a tool for the type of so-called economic development that the mayor continues to promote which is gentrification it's not community development so the big difference there is when you do community economic development you're investing in the ability of the existing community to control the new institution that's created that serves the need so unfortunately we have a real absence of that the other thing that the book speaks to is how gentrification is a function of cycles of investment and divestment and of course we've seen that as well, where low-income communities of color, especially in D.C., have been subject to racist land use policies for decades, redlining, uh, different policies that prevented people from having the resources to purchase land or hold on to land, slum clearance, all of these things that were done that dispossessed people of their land, only then to bring in high-end development later and say, oh, well, we're turning this from blight to, to beautiful, but the reality is you dispossessed people of their land first. So these are themes that we definitely see in D.C. If you are interested in how you can help address the issue of gentrification in D.C., one action mentioned at the panel that you can join occurs tonight. In the evening of April 5th, Columbia Heights residents who are participating in a rent strike against their slumlord will be holding a rally open to all to get their plight across at Columbia Heights Civic Plaza. From Northwest D.C., this is Chantal James. Organizers of the Newark Summit called gentrification the, quote, 
Negro Removal Program, end quote, of the 21st century, reminding us that during the civil rights and black power eras, the term Negro removal was virtually synonymous with urban renewal when local, state, and federal highway and development projects often destroyed stable black communities. There were other national human rights issues on the table in D.C. this week. The House took the final vote to end U.S. support for the brutal Saudi-led war on Yemen. Trump has threatened to veto the legislation. The Green Party met with lawmakers and held a meeting in support of national public funding for elections. Religious leaders sponsored a call-in to oppose a USDA proposal that would put time limits on federal food benefits and the organization's backbone campaign and Solutionary Rail held a forum on train transportation as a means to support decarbonized infrastructure. In the 2020 race, former Vice President Joe Biden said this week that he will be, quote, more mindful, end quote, about inappropriate touching of people. And there is continued fallout after the decision of the Democrats' Congressional Campaign Committee, known as the DCCC, to blacklist any election strategist who works for a campaign challenging incumbents. Representative Cherry Busto, chair of the DCCC, told Political this week that the new policy stands and dismissed the large Congressional Progressive Caucus as, quote, the far left, end quote. In response, Representative Pramila Jayapal, who was co-chair of the Progressive Caucus, tweeted, quote, What is the far left? Progressives who made up, make up 40% of the Democratic caucus and the vast majority of the primary electorate? We will continue to push for our voice to be recognized, end quote, Jayapal said. If the new DCCC rule had been in place during the 2018 midterm elections, freshman star lawmakers Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Ayanna Presley would have faced hurdles in attracting professional staff in their successful election campaigns. And finally, in culture and media, letter-writing campaigns are among the continuing actions in support of Chelsea Manning, the Army whistleblower, who is being imprisoned in solitary confinement after refusing to testify against WikiLeaks before a secret grand jury in Virginia. At a code pink demonstration outside the prison last month, Medea Benjamin spoke to journalist Ford Fisher of News to Share. Uh, we think she's taken an incredibly courageous stand saying no to testifying with this grand jury. And she has said that everything she knows has already been out there from the time of her court-martial in 2013. And uh, she is also doing this to show her contempt for the grand jury process itself, which is so undemocratic. And the 30th annual James A. Porter Colloquium on African American Art and Art of the African Diaspora is happening April 5th through the 7th at Howard University. And the National Black Memorabilia Fine Art and Craft Show is Saturday and Sunday, April 6th and 7th at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds, 501 Perry Parkway in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And those are our headlines and happenings 
When we come back, people from across the country gathered at the National Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial on Thursday, April 4th, 2019, on the 51st anniversary of King's assassination, to speak out against the NATO military alliance. Stay with us. Down Trump. Down Trump. Yeah. Down Trump. I don't like your yeah. ass. Down Trump. Yeah. 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 Yeah. Am I tripping? Let me know. I thought all that Donald Trump bull was a joke. Know what they say when rich go broke. Look, Reagan so cold, Obama so hope Donald Trump spent his trust for money on the vote. I'm from a place where you probably can't go. Speaking for some people that you probably ain't know. It's pressure built up and it's probably gonna blow. And if we say go, then they probably gonna go. You vote Trump, then you probably on dope. And if you like me, then you probably ain't know. And if you been in jail, you could probably still vote. Still we low, still we low, still we low, still we low, still we low. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Mama man, Spike said, school uh-huh. days. Wake up! They've been hating since Benjamin Banneker, the first DC artist to let you know you can't handle us. Taught you how to see without cameras. Created DC, yet y'all worship is scandalous. Taught you to hate the smart black man. Accused him of acting white, not a dark black man. Pitching that color. Versus the brain so that any black man who thinks for himself's insane I laugh when artists complain about DC I'm out here fighting for screaming in Fiji Y'all trying to impress some dudes in PG Or whether it's your mommy or your granddaddy in Southeast Y'all brothers better pace up Ain't but so much space they gonna let y'all take up They legalize trees, whitey getting all caked up Eyes wide open, y'all brothers need to wake up yeah, y'all live in that dream. Not Dr. Kings, but the dream of supremacy. We will not stop as long as imperialist wars send our children home in body bags. We will not stop. Until imperialist boys stop making toy soldiers out of our children and leaving them jobless and in poverty when they come home. We will not stop. The struggle continues. Right on, right on. April 4th, 1968 was a day to remember because they took Dr. King's life. It was also exactly one year after he gave a speech on April 4th, 1967 in Riverside Church in New York City against the war in Vietnam. And he said, we can't be doing violence over there without it coming back here. He said, we can't end militarism unless we end racism and extreme materialism. And we gotta add to that environmental destruction. We gotta end all of these evils together as one movement. A couple years ago, we took these banners on kayaks in front of the Pentagon and we said, you keep fighting these wars for oil, with oil, on the basis of destroying the earth and these waters are going to rise. You go across this park right now today and you'll see benches, park benches underwater. 
and you go a mile over here and you'll find a government oblivious, ignoring it. And you go over to the State Department and you'll find the warmongers of NATO meeting and talking about how great they are after 70 years. A 70 year birthday for militarism. No, that's not what April 4th is. April 4th is for a vision of nonviolent activism against the triplets of evil. Go, Art. My name is Art Laffin. I'm with the Dorothy Day Catholic Worker here in Washington. And I've been asked to share some reflections. My friends, as we gather here today on this sacred land, which originally belonged to the Piscataway Indians before it was stolen, we call into our presence all the holy cloud of witnesses, all the peace and justice makers throughout history, as well as the victims of U.S. empire who have gone before us. Today we remember and honor one of the greatest prophets of justice the world has ever seen, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on this the 52nd anniversary of his, of his extraordinary Beyond Vietnam, a time to break the silence speech, and the 51st anniversary of his assassination. We also are here to renounce and resist the evils of militarism, racism, and war, as NATO foreign ministers gather for NATO's 70th anniversary. He named the U.S. government as the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. The powers don't want us to confront the sins of white supremacy, systemic racism and inequality, or work to bring about nonviolent change as Dr. King did. The powers also want us to believe that Dr. King was killed by a lone assassin. They do not want us to come to terms with the fact that after four weeks of testimony from over 70 witnesses in a civil trial in Memphis, Tennessee, 12 jurors reached a unanimous verdict on December 8, 1999, that Dr. King was assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. Coretta Scott King welcomed this verdict saying, quote, there is abundant evidence of a major high-level conspiracy in the assassination of my husband. And the civil court's unanimous verdict has validated our belief. The King family stands firmly behind the civil trial verdict. My friends, those forces who conspired to kill Dr. King thought that by doing so they could silence his message. To the contrary, Dr. King's spirit is very much alive. Yes. And his mandate for racial and economic justice, nonviolence, and peace is just as relevant and urgent now as it was 51 years ago. No matter what the powers do to distort and manipulate the life message and even death of Dr. King, his life stands as an eternal testament of truth, courage, and hope in resistance to the forces of evil and death. In his Beyond Vietnam speech, Dr. King declared, quote, I am convinced that if we are to get on the right side of the world revolution, we as a nation must undergo a radical revolution of values. 
A true revolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth. A true revolution of values will lay hand on the world order and say of war, this way of settling differences is not just. A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. Dr. King's words aptly describe our current national plight. We who are here today, along with countless others, decry the policies, exorbitant expenditures, and war profiteering that drive the U.S. and NATO war machines. We denounce every aspect of the U.S. war machine, including the 2020 military budget, which is now approaching $1 trillion. The over $1 trillion that has been earmarked over the next 20 years to upgrade the U.S. nuclear arsenal. The killer drone program. The new U.S. Space Force and deployment of missile defense systems encircling Russia and China. We denounce U.S. intervention around the world, including its continued support for the Saudi regime's brutal war in Yemen and its illegal efforts to overthrow the Venezuelan government. We decry U.S. commitment to maintain some 800 foreign military bases and spend over $225 million this year on its AFRICOM military interventions in Africa. We decry to NATO's expanding war machine as evidenced by its $1.5 billion military budget. These gross expenditures are about one thing, to assure global military domination of Earth and space and to control strategic resources. This criminal looting of public treasuries while vital social programs continue to be cut constitute a direct theft from the poor of our society and world. Here in the U.S., the New Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, has brought to light this horrific reality as an estimated 140 million Americans are poor and low income. My friends, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists has turned its doomsday clock to two minutes to midnight due to the climate crisis and the nuclear threat. This threat has been exacerbated by the provocative actions of a reckless U.S. president and his advisors. We implore Mr. Trump and the entire political, military, and corporate establishment to listen to and heed what Dr. King proclaimed. Quote, our scientific power has outrun our spiritual power. We have guided missiles and misguided men. This is where we are. Humankind must put an end to war or war will put an end to humankind. It's no longer a choice between violence and nonviolence. It's either nonviolence or non-existence. Now is the time for all the nuclear nations, beginning with the U.S., to join with the 22 countries who have to date ratified the U.N. Treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons. In closing, In closing, I just want to read a solidarity statement that's been sent from jail 
and from other friends with the Kings Bay Plowshares, who did a Plowshares action at Kings Bay, Georgia, on this day last year. Three of the seven have been in jail for one year now, awaiting trial. And they say to us in solidarity here, on April 4th, 2018, the 50th anniversary of the state killing of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., seven Catholic peacemakers walked into the Naval Submarine Base, Kings Bay, Georgia, to expose the epitome of Dr. King's triple evils of racism, materialism, and militarism. We remember his words in the speech he delivered beyond Vietnam a year before his assassination. We continue to say no to NATO, the greatest purveyor of violence in the hands of the United States military. We continue in this tradition of nonviolent direct action to support true democracy and the rule of law for all peoples of the earth. We want this massive cost of weapons, of the weapons industries, to be converted for human and environmental needs. We are grateful for the voice of the people that is being raised to end this endless war making. Thank you, Art. Right. Thank you. Right. And may we beat all the swords of our time into plowshares. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, I already talked. I'm Jeribu Hill from the Mississippi Workers Center for Human Rights in Greenville, Mississippi in Washington County, named after the lying first president, George Washington. And in the region where Dr. King, when he went to Marks, Mississippi, broke down and cried because of the poverty. We say no more crying and no more dying. We're here in solidarity with all of you. And from the Black Alliance for Peace and all of the organizations of resistance, we say resistance is not violence. Resistance is a response to violence. Long live Dr. King and all the freedom fighters and martyrs. Right on. Now from Black is Back, the chairman of Black is Back, Omali Yeshitela. Yeah. Black is Back. 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 Uhuru. Uhuru is a slogan that was made popular by the Kenyan Land Freedom Army. Yes. Known as Mau Mau. Yeah. Who fought the British imperialists in the 1950s. Who, in a country, a land that was occupied by England, uh, that killed more than 300,000 people to crush that revolution. I'm here today as chairman of the Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace and Reparations. The name says it all. There are a number of various organizations from the African community who participate in this coalition. It spans the gamut of ideological and political lines inside the African community. And the Black is Back Coalition is an organization that is opposed to imperialism. It is opposed to occupation. It is opposed to colonialism. And so that's one of the reasons that we are here. I'm also the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party, which is an organization of the coalition. I think it's extremely important that we are here, that we are here on this day, April 4th. I think we should be careful, however, not to isolate the role, memory, participation, struggle of Martin Luther King from the struggle of African people around the world. 
because at the same time we're talking about Martin Luther King being assassinated on April 4th. We're talking about the period that they killed Malcolm X. We're talking about the period that they murdered Patrice Lumumba, U.S. government leading in that. The period that they overthrew Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana. The period that they first wounded and then captured and assassinated Che Guevara uh, in Bolivia. It was an effort that was made by the United States government to crush the revolutionary struggles of the peoples of the world to be free. So King was critically important to us, but they killed King not because he was a pacifist. They killed King because he was a leader of millions of African people and others around the world who wanted to change the relationship that we have to this social system. And they killed King, they killed others all around the world who were participating in that same struggle. One. Two. NATO, 70 years old, is relatively young. When you look at the oppression and exploitation that this country, this government has been responsible for in terms of the peoples of the world, this country was founded as an act of violence. We live in a country, and it is unfortunate, we live in a country where there are people who live in concentration camps, one of which is called an Indian reservation that nobody even speaks of unless they are present. This is the country that we are talking about. We say no to NATO. We say no to colonial oppression. We say no to a social system that has its origin in slavery and colonialism. NATO is an extension of imperialist it is the extension of the imperialist state apparatus. And its purpose is to maintain the status quo. And the status quo of poverty and colonialism. It is a status quo that sees 80% of the people on the planet Earth trying to survive of 10 US dollars or less a day. It is a status quo that sees 50% of the people on the planet Earth trying to survive of $2.50 or less a day. It is a status quo that sees people in Africa working all day just for a single meal. So yes, we are opposed to NATO, but we are opposed to the social system that gave birth to NATO. NATO NATO was born of a social system based on slavery and colonialism. And I think it's important for us to say that. Karl Marx, Karl Marx, who at one time had some significance in the minds of some people, said one thing that was absolutely correct. He said effectively that the entire social system of capitalism rests upon a foundation of slavery. We say that is still true. That slavery of African people, the enslavement colonization of Africans and the indigenous people here and around the world, that is the origin of capitalism. And it is NATO's role to protect capitalism. NATO NATO is not just some innocent entity that was there. NATO was created as an organization with the express intent to make sure that the workers of the world would never be able to claim our resources and the value of our labor power. That's what it was created to do. So, I'm opposed to NATO, but I'm opposed to capitalism, and I'm opposed to capitalism that was born of slavery and colonialism. I am a revolutionary, and even as we talk about opposing war, 
I have to unite with Che Guevara when he spoke, when people were talking about no more Vietnam during the time of the Vietnamese War, when revolution was the main trend in the entire world. And Che was able to say two, three, many Vietnams because Vietnam represented the resistance of the people to tyranny and oppression. Yes, yes. So I am a revolutionary and I recognize that we, we must protest what NATO is doing. We must protest imperialism. But beyond that, we have to make revolution to destroy this social system yes, and create a world in which there can be peace yes, and end to a system of slavery, yes. of slaves and slave masters and bosses and workers. So we say, Uhuru, Uhuru, it means freedom. Reverend Graylin Hagler. Senior Pastor of Plymouth United Church of Christ here in Washington, D.C., Chairperson of Faith Strategies, a collective of clergy consulting, advising, and organizing to bring justice issues into the heart of the faith community. Give it up for Graylin Hagler. Good morning. It's good to be here with you, standing with you. We've had discussions back here, both with the park police, and with a park ranger, who think that this monument somehow should be a silent monument. And that's been the problem all along, is that we have attempted to co-op and silence the voice of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. To try to turn him into something that he is not. To render him to some kind of hallmark card that is syrupy sweet and filled with sentimentality but lacks all the substance that really is needed in this moment. That's right. So it's important that we gather here in front of this statue at this memorial on this 51st anniversary of his assassination and just name it and claim it because it was the system that murdered him murdered him not only for speaking out against the war in Vietnam but murdered him because he began to question the whole economic alignment of the country and basically he said that an edifice that produces beggars is an edifice that needs to be restructured we stand here today dealing with and facing the real call to restructure this whole society, this whole world in which we live. And it's important that we stand up against NATO. Who is NATO? NATO is a coalition of military. Of military of... Understand this. Military of the countries that colonialize Africa and colonialize South America and Central America and set up colonies all around the world. That's what it is. It's an empire. It's a military of empire. So we got to understand that it is based upon subjugation of people and subjugation of movements and subjugation of unions and subjugation of political aspirations towards freedom and hope. 
So we got to continue to stand up here and not allow this monument to be a silent monument. Because the voice of King is still calling out 51 years after his assassination. The voice of King is still making a clarion call, not only to this nation, but to this world. Sisters and brothers, as we stand against white supremacy, it is not something of the past, but it's something of now. And it's really embodied in the NATO. It's embodied in all of the former colonial powers that tried to exist and exert their empire today. So we stand together as people of goodwill, of faith, and of conscience. People always say to me, they say, well, why are you always talking about politics? I can't do anything other than talk about politics. Because somehow we've forgotten that the cause for justice is the power that comes out of sacred scripture. Where Amos says, I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Take away from me your offerings. But instead, let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So we're reminded that our worship has to do with justice and treating each other right and being correct in this world and allowing people to be free, stepping back from our greed and our oppression of others. As it says, to loose the bonds, Isaiah says, let the oppressed go free. And so that's what we're standing here declaring that the oppressed is going free. Not tomorrow, not someday, but today. The oppressed is going free. As we challenge white supremacy and racism, the oppressed are going free. As we challenge uh, racism, as we challenge sexism, as we challenge homophobia, as we challenge capitalism, the oppressed is going to go free. Because one thing is important is that we understand that we are related and connected with each other. And the only thing that they try to do is divide us and get us to think in narrow categories instead of the broad categories. Is that my freedom is dependent upon your freedom and your freedom is dependent upon my freedom. And therefore we gotta stand against all of the colonial powers that exist anywhere in the world. From Palestine to Venezuela to right here in Washington, D.C. We got the free the people who are being oppressed by greed and being oppressed by hatred and racism. God bless you. Let's continue our struggle. You just heard the Reverend Graylin Hagler, pastor of Plymouth Congregational United Church of Christ in Washington, D.C., speaking at a NATO protest at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial next to the National Mall on April 4, 2019. Before Reverend Hagler, O'Malley Yeshatella, chairman of the Black is Back Coalition, Jeribu Hill of the Mississippi Workers Center for Human Rights and the Black Alliance for Peace, and Art Laffin of the Dorothy Day Catholic Worker, and Jeribu Hill again at the very top. This is On the Ground, on thegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital on Pacifica Radio. I'm Esther Averam. Now back to more voices from the rally, starting with music by Lucy Murphy and Ben Grosscup. Who's ready for some music? You ready for some music? We got Lucy Murphy here and we got Ben Grosscup and we're going to do some singing and dancing. This is the song that was sung at Resurrection City after the assassination of Martin Luther King. Murder. Murder by the state. 
Everybody's got a right to live. Everybody's got a right to live. And before this campaign fails, we'll all go down to jail. Everybody's got a right to to dream. Everybody's got a right to dream. Everybody's got a right to dream. And before this campaign fails, we'll all go down to jail. Everybody's got a right to dream to love. Everybody's got a right to love. Everybody's got a right to love. And before this campaign fails, we'll all go down to jail. Everybody's got a right to love. To Everybody's got a right to live. Everybody's got a right to live. And before this campaign fails, we'll all go down to jail. Everybody's got a right to live. Friends, this is a song that I wrote that was inspired by a book I read by the journalist Chris Hedges. It's, the book is called Days of Destruction, Days of Revolt. The song is called No More Sacrifice Zones. You see, Chris Hedges traveled all around the country to see the sacrifice zones that this system of capitalism creates in the United States and around the world. And this song is about connecting those two things. It's called No More Sacrifice Zones. As they drove you from the plains They're turning your homeland To a sacrifice zone The company took the uranium Just the fallout remains They're turning your homeland To a sacrifice zone Where your story's been forgotten We will make it known You are not alone Your homeland has been desecrated The next could be our own No more sacrifice zones No more sacrifice zones State makes voting obsolete through emergency decrees. They're turning your city to a sacrifice zone. The cops occupy your street to bring you to your knees. They're turning your city 
to a sacrifice zone where your story's been forgotten where your story's been forgotten we will make it known we will make it known ferguson you are not alone ferguson you are not alone your city has been subjugated the next could be our own no more sacrifice zones no more sacrifice zones Men blew the mountain, killing everything nearby. They're turning your region to a sacrifice zone. The elite refuse to help your people as you watch them die. They're turning your region to a sacrifice zone where your story's been forgotten. Where your story's been forgotten, we will make it known. We will make it known. Appalachia, you are not alone. Appalachia, you are not alone. Your region has been desolated. The next could be our own. No more sacrifice zones. No more sacrifice zones. The profiteers will cut you down if you're in their way. They're turning your country to a sacrifice zone. The bombs that kill your children came from the USA. They're turning your country to a sacrifice zone Where your story's been forgotten We will make it known Yemen Yemen You are not alone Your country has been decimated The next could be our own No more sacrifice zones no more sacrifice zones. No more sacrifice zones. No more sacrifice zones. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank Lucy Murphy for harmony vocals on that song and thank her for this next song you're about to hear. Este mundo 
de todo el mundo queremos paz y libertad para los niños de todo el mundo queremos paz y libertad paz queremos paz y libertad en este mundo paz queremos paz y libertad en este mundo ya no más bombas, ya no más guerra, queremos paz en esta tierra. Ya no más bombas, ya no más guerra, queremos paz en esta tierra. Last time. Paz, queremos paz y libertad en este mundo. Lucy Murphy, Ben Grosscup, right on. Last speaker to wrap this up, bring us home, co-director of Popular Resistance, Kevin Zeese. We just returned from Venezuela and Iran, and before I say anything, I want to have Margaret Flowers bring you a message from the people of Venezuela and Iran. Thank you. I'm also co-director of Popular Resistance, and I want to thank Code Pink for making the trip to Iran possible, and also U.S. Peace Council and the Committee for International Solidarity of Venezuela for making it possible for us to go there. There's two things that Iran and Venezuela have in common. They are both countries that are surrounded by dozens of U.S. and foreign military bases. They are both countries that have been seeking to have their own self-determination and sovereignty and they are both countries that are experiencing economic warfare from the United States and its allies in the form of sanctions. And now we see in Venezuela literal attacks inside of the country on their infrastructure, like their electricity and their water. So we want to say that Venezuela and Iran are already experiencing U.S. warfare. Right. And we're not being told the truth about them in the United States. And so we, as people who fight for peace and justice, need to be aware of these lies and need to say, stop the economic war, stop the threats, stop the intervention in Iran and Venezuela. Hands off Iran, hands off Venezuela. Yes. Hands off Iran. Yes. Hands off Venezuela. Solidarity with the people of Venezuela and people of Iran. You know, when Dr. King spoke a year before he was killed in his Beyond Vietnam speech. He talked about the triple evils of racism, militarism, and capitalism. Uh, there's a fourth evil today, and that's the environmental crisis caused by climate chaos. Um, before I say anything else, I want to introduce to you the first candidate to ever run on the Green New Deal in the United States, Howie Hawkins. Yeah, I ran for a Green New Deal for New York State in 2010. And what it, what it was about was we wanted to take the economic Bill of Rights that the Poor People's Campaign, that Martin Luther King was coming to Congress or to Washington in 1968, and they were going to demand, if they had to shut down Congress to do it, that these rights be fulfilled. And they were carrying the rights that the President Roosevelt had brought to the State of Union Address and asked Congress to enact in 1944. We're now 75 years later, and we don't have those rights. The right to a job where the government is employer last resort. The right to an income above poverty. Right. If you're not able to work 
or shouldn't be working because you're caring for people in your family. The right to decent housing. The right to comprehensive health care. The right to a good education. These rights are things everybody should have. And it was raised 75 years ago by the president. And then the civil rights movement, the black freedom movement said in the March on Washington for jobs and freedom, we're going to move from civil rights to human rights. That's right. And politically, the leadership, Martin Luther King, A. Philip Randolph, Byron Rustin said, if we're going to get civil rights, we got to get human rights for everybody. We're going to organize everybody that's oppressed and exploited. And that's what the movement meant when they went from civil rights to human rights. And they will lead all of us to those rights. So that was what inspired us as we're coming out of the Great Recession. And of course, now we got the climate crisis, an existential threat. So we want 100% clean energy by 2030. But we talk to the people in terms of an economic bill of rights. Because... That climate crisis affects all of us. But for 40% of the people in any year and 80% of the people over their lifetimes, they're going to depend on public assistance. They're not going to be able to make the rent. They're going to go bankrupt because of a health care bill. That's the majority of the people, and we got to get them together so we can win those rights, those economic human rights, and have an adequate response for the climate crisis. So that's the Green New Deal, the way we brought it forward. And now, you know... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tried to link the human rights and the climate thing and wanted a a select committee on the Green New Deal. And the Democratic leadership sliced, diced, and shoved it down to disposal. But let's remember what it is and keep fighting for that because I think that's the kind of program that we need. So I'm just here to say I'm from the 60s, Civil Rights, Anti-Vietnam War Movement. I got drowned into the movement as a teenager, and uh, Dr. King was a big part of that. So I'm here to pay my respects. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And I'll tell you, the, the National Green New Deal also means an end to militarism. we got to cut that military budget drastically. I don't know if people noticed up here uh, in their audience that we had a little conflict uh, earlier with the police because uh, we were violating the permit. Uh, we tried We tried to explain to them, and looks like we succeeded, that a permit wasn't needed to pay homage to Dr. King. Right. That we're here speaking peace, and that is Dr. King's language. When we said that to them, they said that you're kind of stretching Dr. King's peace language. You're saying no to NATO. It, show, it shows the ignorance that we have to overcome. It shows the ignorance we have to overcome. And that is our job. That is our job. If we can explain through our various methods of communication, we have lots of options as far as communicating goes now. If we can explain the reality of NATO as a cover for U.S. war, when the U.S. can't get the approval of the Security Council of the U.N., when they can't get the approval of the United States people, they have NATO. 12 countries originally now 29 soon to be 30 and maybe even after that 31 they're constantly growing they're talking about adding Colombia now as a new partner they're talking about adding Brazil what do those countries have in common they're on the border of Venezuela they're on the border of Venezuela that's not a coincidence and that's why it's so important to us to be in solidarity with Venezuela they are under attack they're under threat. And when we were in Venezuela, we were told by the people on the street that we are being lied to 
by the media and by our politicians and we found out we were being lied to we were told that they couldn't fly to venezuela because of civil unrest the pilots were told not to fly because it's too dangerous we took a walk through venezuela that day filmed children having ice cream families walking in the park people going out to dinner listening to music the civil unrest was amazing it was amazingly beautiful and so i just say for us all now solidarity with venezuela solidarity with iran solidarity with yemen syria haiti the list is long palestine palestine it's time for us to get beyond nato the world needs to get beyond NATO. Thank you all very much. You have been listening to people from across the United States gathered at the National Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial on Thursday, April 4, 2019, on the 51st anniversary of King's assassination to speak out against the NATO military alliance. And that will do it for today's show. Thanks to our contributors, Chantel James and Floyd DJ Wahid Aaron. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital on Pacifica Radio. You can contact us, support us, and partner with us, and listen to all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, onthegroundshow.org. If you like the show, please let us know by liking us on Facebook or on Twitter under On The Ground Show, and we are on iTunes and Google Play under the title WPFW On The Ground. And you can support us on Patreon. The music we played this hour included F. Donald Trump featuring the late Nipsey Hussle, who was gunned down Sunday outside the clothing store he owned in South Los Angeles, All Go Blind by The Crossroads, and also Lucy Murphy and Ben Grosscup singing at the No Tornado Rally at the Martin Luther King Memorial on April 4th, 2019. I'm Esther Averm. I will be at the National Black Memorabilia Fine Art and Craft Show on April 6th and 7th at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds 501 Perry Parkway in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Until next time, keep raising your voice. Peace. <laughs>